What's up, guys? Welcome back to Agent 25 Reviews. It's a show where we chat movies, TV shows, and generally nerd out about stuff we think is cool. If you like that, hit that subscribe button, ring that bell, and uh, tell your friends. Doing my best to get episodes at, out at least bi-weekly, usually on Sundays, so if you ring that bell, you'll never miss one. Uh, we're available on video on YouTube as an audio podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. That's a mouthful. Um, just search Engine 25 Reviews, no space in Engine 25, or hit one of the links in the show notes down below. Uh, my name's Brandon. I'm your host. You can find me in Engine 25 on all the things. Uh, sometimes there's an underscore after that. Um, today we're talking Black Panther Wakanda Forever. But before we get there, uh, I want to introduce our guests. Uh, Today we have a regular guest on the show, uh, Catherine Burrell. Um, if you, you've see, probably seen her before if you watch uh, some of our other episodes. Uh, she's a communication PhD student at the University of Massachusetts Amherst, uh, specializing in film studies. She holds a BA in the theater and film studies from Georgia Southern University, where I went, and a master's in communication and documentary studies from Northern Arizona. So she's real smart. <laughs> Her interests include genre theory, film history, adaptation, French cinema, which is an interesting one, and uh, pop culture, popular culture and media effects. Uh, and also my buddy Wesley, uh, he's a fellow AV tech kind of guy. He's uh, from the Viewist Productions YouTube channel. And he's been doing a pretty cool series over there about E.T. called the E.T. Enthusiast that everyone should check out. How are you doing today, Wesley? I'm doing good. Now the pressure's on. You didn't tell me Catherine's bio before I came on here. <laughs> and I, I'm over here like, oh, I have a YouTube channel. I, 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 I have. <laughs> well, you know, I, I warned you that she's smart. Tell us about your, your E.T. thing. Um, I'm doing a series of interviews trying to do a series of interviews i've been doing uh, about one a month roughly yeah. and there are four the, or five of them out now right yeah um since it's the 40th anniversary of et this year i've been reaching out to different people who either worked on the movie or have some sort of something to do with it so i've talked to like robert mcnaughton who starred as michael the older brother in et but then i've also nice. talked to like uh, Paul rust who has nothing to do with et but he's a big fan and we talked about <laughs> uh like uh, E.T. references in other movies, and that was a lot of fun. So it's been really cool. And uh, I have a few others in the works, but uh, to be determined when those will be out. That's no worries. really cool. Yeah, Thank no, the videos are really good. You should check them out. Uh, how are you doing, Katie? You're, you've been making some changes lately. You've been talking uh, about this PhD thing for a while, and now it's real. <laughs> and now it's real. Oh, my gosh. Um, the program started in September. It's been, mm -hmm. we start school up here up north. And my brain has just been on overdrive. Like, it's good for the you. Difference. I, it's really good for me. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I've just been like, hey, guys, I know about film. What else do you guys know? And they're like, uh, misinformation, disinformation, media policy, <laughs> technology and media. And I'm like, oh, that's great. <laughs> All I can't cool really. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um very cool stuff but you're are you okay so so be real it's it's you start in september it's been two months when's the last time you slept I, oh my god i don't know so I, i've been really avoiding trying to outrun the burnout recently because not only did i start my phd program this semester i had a bachelorette party to travel to a wedding down south to travel to, and then I tried to get you on. I tried to get May. you on the last three episodes, and you're always at a wedding. Like it's just no. <laughs> twenty-seven dresses up in here. I literally, and I was so 
tired and I've been chasing the burnout. And last night, I don't know what came over me, but I was in bed at like 6.30. Like, and I am usually up until about midnight. And so I was like, what the hell is wrong with me? I really hope I'm not getting sick. I feel fine. But I slept really good last night. I will say that. I I'm glad for you. It's uh, me too. <laughs> you know, and I've been uh, the new God of War game came out. Uh, God of War Ragnarok came out last week, and the first one is like my favorite game of all time. Uh, and it is not easy to stay up until one o'clock playing video games and then getting up to go to work like it used to be. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe it's because I'm getting old or something. Who knows? But no, yeah, that's a uh, uh, that's been a chat. And work has been busy too. You know, so sometimes I work until nine or ten o'clock, and then I play video games for three hours, and it's long. Like it, it's. I, I've been playing for 20 hours and I haven't finished it yet. Like there's, I'm, wow. it's, it's really good, but it's, it's, it's a lot. Um, anywho, the, uh, the real reason we're here today <laughs> is to talk about, uh, Black Panther Wakanda forever. Um, like I said, uh, well, yeah, like I said earlier, here I am trying, I try to write a runner show and I'm reading from it and then skipping over things. Um, Wakanda Forever released on November 11th, 2022. It had a production budget of somewhere around $250 million. They don't really, they don't release that kind of info anymore, really. Uh, and as of November 18th, uh, which was two days ago, last time I looked, it's made $407 million globally. Uh, so it's doing, it's not, not too bad for itself for 400 million in a week. Um, yeah, uh, as, I think I read today, though, that it had like a 65% drop off or something this week, like something ooh. crazy like that. Well, I that, don't know why. We're going to be seeing that a lot because like it's going to be on Disney Plus before Christmas. Well, you know, this that, is a, like yeah. 45 day turnaround thing that they're doing now um, for the for the first segment. We always stay at hmm, mm hmm. Yeah, for the first, <laughs> well, I was going to go back. What, what are we been watching? That's okay. For the first segment, we always stay non-spoiler. We'll talk about spoilers later. So uh, anyone anyone who's listening, if you haven't seen the movie, you're good. Uh, if you haven't seen the movie, you should do yourself a favor. But let's, uh, let's talk talk general kind of stuff first. Uh, Wesley, what, what how'd you feel walking out of Wakanda Forever? This is the most excited I've been about a Marvel movie in a while. And I uh, hate to be... Well, I don't want to say I hate to be excited about a Marvel movie, but it's gotten to the point where you're like, this movie was incredible that you're like, uh, I don't want to sound like a fanboy, like all I watch is uh, this this stuff. But uh, it it feels like it was a cut above the rest, like especially recently, because um, phase four has been kind of all over the board a little bit like uh, some were clearly better than others. I think the quality was a little rougher than it's been in previous phases here and there. But uh, and there's also just been like so many movies and shows that like starting to feel the fatigue like a little bit every now and then. Um, but I'll this, give you that. I will before because yeah. Katie's going to start some shit here. But before I uh, <laughs> um, but, but I'm going to throw in that uh, I would rather, you know, Marvel has they've done their their 20 something movie uh, Infinity Saga. It's in as a general rule, very good. You know, there are a couple of a couple of movies that that don't quite work, I would say. But, you know, out, out of 20 movies, if you have three that that are kind of bad, your 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 record's pretty solid. At this point, they can do whatever they want uh, and they're still going to make money on it. And I would honestly I would rather them take a chance, do something a little bit different, even if it doesn't always work. 
than keep giving us, you know, like the formulaic superhero movie. Because, you know, Marvel, they don't, Marvel does not ignore the tropes. And in fact, they've made a lot of, there's so many movies now in just the MCU that they've made a lot of new tropes that other people are following, you know, so they're, they're, their movies absolutely follow a formula. And I would, again, I would rather them break the formula, even if it they don't get it right all the, every time, than keep making the same thing. Like, I, I love Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi is a, it's a love letter to Kung Fu movies, right? Um, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, it's super different. Uh, and it's, you know, it's a love letter to, to old, like, Hong Kong cinema. And then the end is a kaiju battle, you know? And it's completely different than most of the stuff in the, in the MCU so far. Um, I would also say that I don't really think Multiverse of Magnus works all that well, but it's a... I adore that they gave, they gave the keys to Sam Raimi, took the reins off, and say, make... You know, make a Sam Raimi horror movie uh, that fits in this universe. And that's, you know, that, that's pretty awesome. And again, you know, it's it's really messy and there are things about it that, that, that don't quite work. But like, I, it's it's like drag me to hell with superheroes in it. Like, yeah. And when it's when it works, it works really well when it does. Unfortunately, I would say it works less than less off or it doesn't work more often than it works. But, you know, I, it was a it was a great time in the movie theater. And then I walked out and I was like, huh, you know, I don't know if I'll watch that one again. But mm -hmm. um, and then Love and Thunder is I don't think it's good, but I've watched it five times. Um, all right, Katie, I know you I was shocked when you told me you watched Love and Thunder five. Times. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's not because it's good, uh, but I will uh, I'll hand the reins to Katie. And I know there's some stuff she likes and I know there's some stuff that she didn't like about Wakanda forever. So, yeah, let's uh, keep it keep it pretty general. But how are we how are we feeling right now, Katie? I appreciated the fact that I went on the opening weekend so I think I went on the 12th, that Saturday or that Sunday, the 13th. Mm -hmm. um, and I kind of like forced myself out of my burnout and procrastination. I was like, all right, like just go. Because I was very um, low energy. But I, I was like, you need to go see it on the opening weekend because it's it's going to be a totally different ball game if you don't. So I made a point to go see it opening weekend. And I'm glad I did because... You're the with the people who like, really want to be there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I am. And then in addition to that, it was really funny because when this is not a spoiler for the movie at all, but at one point they end up in Cambridge, Massachusetts, which is like an hour and a half away from me. <laughs> and so anything you recognize when, or did you look at it and say, that's not Cambridge, Massachusetts? I think it actually was, though. No, great. I mean, That's I great. I'm, just, so. I'm asking because I have no idea. I'm curious. Yeah. I haven't been been there, but um, it was just really funny because when that came up on on the screen in the theater, my entire theater was like, yeah, Massachusetts. Excellent. <laughs> there, you know, there's so um, that good. the that's a funny thing because we uh Wesley and I are in Atlanta and all kinds of stuff is, are, is filmed in Atlanta, even things that, mm. in fact, most often things that don't take place in Atlanta. So then you'll, you'll be like watching <laughs> Ozark and then this like they'll walk up to a building that's on like Peachtree Street. And I'm like, I know where that is. And it's not in Chicago yeah. or like Baby Driver <laughs> where it's all at, like yes. driving scenes. But yeah. it's like they cut together things that are not adjacent. But people who are driver is at least the only one that's actually like takes place in Atlanta. Usually they're like, this is 
New York, and it's yeah. clearly not. And it's like, it's or like when they did when they did the last Hunger Games movie in yeah. Atlanta, and, and if you're from Georgia at all, like not even Atlanta, <laughs> if you watch that, you're just like, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. A lot of Marvel uh, fight scenes are just like in an Atlanta parking lot. <laughs> Especially what was it? Um, she Hulk. <laughs> Which is like, yes, yes Atlanta. <laughs> uh, and that's in L.A., but no, yeah, that's it's all just filmed on a street level in Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a small part of this movie is filmed in Atlanta, too. They it was mostly uh, mostly up north, but um, uh, a little bit. And it was like mostly green screen stuff that they filmed down here at like Pinewood or whatever Pinewood's called these days. Um, yeah. So the and we can we can get a little bit more detailed about it later on if we want in the in the spoiler talk but the this movie was very different than what it was originally conceived because unfortunately chadwick boseman uh the actor who played black panther passed uh passed away a little over two years ago uh right as they were getting ready to film the movie that would become black panther wakanda forever um how do we how do we feel that you know it's it's a love letter to him and the and and the people who who loved him um so how how do we feel that the movie handled the loss of Chadwick Boseman because it's a big you know it's a big thing it's the whole it's the really the inciting moment of the whole thing is his passing so all right and when i say that um and this it doesn't explicitly say in the trailer but you can kind of gather is the character of t'challa passes away very early in the movie um which kind of gets begins the sets the other bits of the movie in motion um yeah what do we well, uh yeah katie you go, you go first in terms of the themes of the film it like you said it's very obvious that chadwick boseman's death was a catalyst for many plot points in this film and it's evident. You get lots of nice tributes to him and his tenure as a Black Panther. And it's very poignant. But as a theme of grief in the film, which is there, it's so undercut by everything else that's happening that I thought that WandaVision did a much better job at exploring that theme of grief okay. than this movie did. Yeah, you that's could, my two cents. Could you expand? Well, I just say that the entire um, plot of WandaVision is surrounded around Wanda working through her grief. And for this film, which focuses mostly on Shuri, that's how she opens this film is, you know, coming into grief and dealing with grief. But then those are all kind of shoved to the side when they have political things that start to happen in this movie. And while she is still kind of coming to terms with that, she's more coming to terms with the world around her than the things that are actually that she's feeling. And that's where the differences are between Wakanda Forever and WandaVision. Because that theme of grief is explored so intrapersonally through the character whereas you know shuri has to deal with grief throughout this film instead of like actually process it i i'd agree with that and i will i'll say that like 
the neither of these characters uh, and I got uh, Wanda versus Shuri. I don't know that either one of them deals with it very well. Wanda deals with it by trying to fill the void of the thing that was lost. And then Shuri deals with it kind of the opposite end of the spectrum and trying to almost trying to ignore it and just do, you know, do, do her own thing or try to, she really tries to minimize the spirituality in the culture of Wakanda. Mm -hmm. um, you know, she's a, she's a scientist and she doesn't, she doesn't believe in most of that. And some of this movie, like she, she, she pushes all that down for as long as she can. And then she kind of learns to embrace it. But how, um, what about, uh, what about you, Wesley? Do, um, it's the movie does not, forgets that we've lost <laughs> that we've lost Chadwick Boseman uh and it's you know the the opening sequence is like just a big reminder hey this is where we are and this is why this is where th this is what happened we can't do anything about it so this is where we're going um but yeah how are how, how are you feeling about this um I I liked that a lot I feel like that's kind of the only way they could have done this movie because i know there's like a big push online to recast t'challa and like recast t'challa was trending on twitter like the night the movie came out and i'm like i mean i understand why you guys would want that because we didn't get that much time with black panther i mean there's one black panther movie with the Black Panther with T'Challa, but it's like right, and he's he comes up briefly in in like Captain America: Civil War and then Infinity yeah. War, etc. But yeah, but he's like such a huge presence. Like the first movie was huge, and Chadwick Boseman is just like a huge presence. He was a huge star, and people loved him. Like when Black Panther came out, the first one, it was like it was almost like he was Black Panther, like at award shows or just like in the streets videos you're like everybody's obsessed with this guy and it's like you could have recast him but it would have been just so weird and these same people who wanted to recast him would probably be like talking shit to this poor guy on social media and like tweeting terrible things at him and it's like it'd be such a thankless job so i feel like this was the best way to do it because they were able to pay tribute to Chadwick Boseman and they didn't have to just like act opposite somebody totally new and pretend that he was him. Like the whole thing right. would have been very And they didn't awkward. do any deep fake facial replacement nonsense there. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> I, I agree. Like, I don't think that they could have dealt with it better than they did considering. Um, it's probably one of the, in, in my opinion, one of the, one of the highlights of the, of the whole movie. It's, it's like, it's very respectful. And there, I don't think that, T'Challa cannot be recast, but just the fact that the the movie was due to come out so soon after, like their other option would have been if they didn't do this and lose, you know, um, and have the character die immediately, then they would have had to move this movie further out. You know, if we wait, if we waited five years, uh, then I think it would have been okay. But then there's also there's some gaps they have to fill in, like okay, where is Wakanda when all these other things are happening? Um, and I think that's why, like, there is ground that is covered in this movie that would have had to be covered either way with T'Challa or without him. Yeah. So it's, you know, the movie came out when essentially at the same time that they intended, like it was like so many other things. I think it was delayed a year because of the pandemic uh, and because of Chadwick. But, you know, so is everything else. So, yeah. it, you know, yeah. it's still in the, the ballpark 
within within a year and a half of when what the plan was anyway um so you know they knowing... got two really go ahead sorry yeah please they got two really beautiful things out of those decisions though one being they were able to kind of market themselves as like the grief processing movie of the pandemic because chadwick boseman's death was such a like you know like kick me while i'm down kind of moment yes in the thick i agree of no, yeah. the pandemic and so they got to use that and not only use it as like, I don't think they really marketed it that way, but there was touches of it. But then they get to use it as like the cathartic experience coming out of that, right? Yeah. And number two, what they get is a film that is so feminist without even trying to be. Yeah. Because it just came about like well, we have all of these characters. What are we going to do without Chadwick Boseman? I'm not going to disagree with you. <laughs> I'm going to say there are a lot there. of characters in this movie. There and, are. And I want yes. to discuss if some of them, <laughs> uh, man, woman, or otherwise, needed to be there. But we'll, 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 we'll get to that. Um, so, yeah. That's a, that's, I just want to touch on one thing thing that Please. I had forgot to put in there, which was that I think we need to be very careful when talking about this film, just in terms of not what did I say? Getting caught up on the fact that Chadwick Boseman isn't there. It needs to be able to work on its own. It absolutely it has does. To have things and... to talk about without just saying it's a great tribute to Chadwick Boseman. Like, yes, that's a given. We get it. You know, I mean, that, I just say that because that's what I've heard from my students. You know, we were asking in class the other day and saying, well, what have you been watching? You know, and then somebody said Wakanda forever and they asked about it and they just went, oh, yeah, well, like Chadwick Boseman, like, wow, they really honored him. And I'm like, OK, and there there's more yeah, to it else? than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think they did a good job of like it's kind of bookended by the grief process and like talking about his passing and whatnot. But in yes. between, it's like, okay, we can't dwell on it too much. Like, let's keep this. The, wor keep the, the world is still moving into the story. The, the yeah. world is still turning despite this terrible thing that happened to us. There are other things happening that, that we are involved with here. Um, so move, moving on. Okay. I, um, are, are either of you, you're not like comic book readers, so are you? Are were you familiar with uh, uh, Namor before this movie at all? I, I knew who he was. I uh, I know he has some kind of thing with Invisible Woman at some point. Um, uh, that's about it. I knew he's got the wings. <laughs> I've seen yeah, him. He's, I've he's seen he's him got, around in different things. Yeah, yeah. Um, he is. He's actually in the frequently in the Illuminati. Was just that that right. organization that came up in Multiverse of Madness? Um, but he's a uh, really what he is. He's the he's the the king of Atlantis. Basically, yeah. he's the Aquaman of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, and he's like a hero character. But he's also just always been a dick. Uh, <laughs> and he's like, uh, I mean, and not to say that there haven't been good good stories with him in it, but like it would it definitely could have. Uh, looked a little similar to what they're doing with Aquaman in the DC movies, you know, because they don't, they, right. they don't have a lot of like 
I don't want to say style, but there, there, there's not a lot of culture on display in the in the version of Atlantis that's in the DC films that are coming out lately. And I say that as a guy who generally enjoyed that the Aquaman movie, and I love Jason Momoa, but this is uh, this Namor is honestly better than any depiction of him I've ever seen in comic books or cartoons. Um, and it's because, you know, they took what the, the risk of at, at risk of uh, making Atlantis another boring civilization or like making like an, an ancient Greek kind of thing. You know, it's, it's Atlantis, I think, is a is a is a Greek or Roman story about a city, you know, the city that was swallowed by the sea, blah, blah, blah. Um, but no, yeah, there Namora here is very different. And it's like the first thing I have to mention is the visual style. And they, they, they it's not Atlantis. They call it Talokan. And it's uh, a Mesoamerican people that were affected by, vibra by vibranium and went off into the sea, blah, blah, blah. We can talk about that in more detail later. But, you know, the, I can't gush enough about the production design in the first Black Panther film. And I have the same things to say about this one, particularly uh, when we're talking about uh, Talokan and Namor and Namor's people, because, you know, the this again, it's a Mesoamerican angle and they use vibranium, but the, the you know, just the um, designs are like Aztec or Mayan. Uh, and it's, you know, they're, um, it's an excellent uh, display piece for uh, Latino actors, which is wonderful. Uh, Teno Huerta's never been in an English movie before, uh, you know, and here he is the the main antagonist in in a major MCU movie. No, it's it's wonderful, um, and he is he's intimidating and he's charming, and he's uh, you know as um, and his the the costume is incredible. I know I'm just I'm just over here gushing. What what how, how do you guys feel about about Namor? Like I said, he is this version of Namor is better than any I've ever seen. Like he's never been that interesting before. Excellent. I love it. <laughs> there he is. Uh, audio listeners, uh Wesley's holding up a Namor action figure. That uh answers your question. I was I was sold like already, but I've been burned before buying uh action figures and merchandise before a movie comes out and then I'm like, uh what am I going to do with the uh, all these Suicide Squad toys, but oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, this one I was not burned by, and I was like, I knew it. I knew I had a good feeling about him because every time he was on screen, I was like, Oh my god, this guy is just like he's magnetic. Charisma. No, yeah, <laughs> I was like squeezing my fiance's hand like every time he was on screen. I was like, Oh my, yeah, you know, you and he just he, he just swims into Wakanda, you know, like, like no 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 big deal. He's like, what? Uh, <laughs> and the cool thing is like like you said, like the costume is like pretty much like the comics he's got the wings on his ankles and he's got the short shorts it, it is but it is like yeah completely it's completely serious yeah it it they they somehow made it ankle wings like not stupid um and the yeah as you're you're right like he wears the he wears the tiny shorts but he he's got this like necklace on that um uh looks like uh mesoamerican architecture um and he, you know, they, they, they got the piercings, and then the one scene, he's got the big headdress on. Um, yeah. But no, just the the visual design and the performance of uh, of Namor is just absolutely stunning. And uh, he feels like a serious threat, and yes, he doesn't feel like a joke ever. Like, which is a good thing. Like, I love that he actually feels threatening, but he's also just like 
he, he's a villain in this movie, but he also much like Killmonger, you're kind of like, oh, I mean, I could kind of see where he's. Coming I don't from agree sometimes. with his methods, but I understand why he's doing the things that he does. Right, exactly. Like, like mm, maybe uh, Wakanda probably wishes that they weren't having to deal with like the United States and like other countries. So maybe uh, Namor is onto something. And then when the the backstory there, like I never. Like, if I didn't know better from the comics, like, I would think, like, that's probably his backstory, right? But, like, completely no. original. And when they explained, like, how he got his name, I gasped because I was like, the fact that you were able to, <laughs> like, come up with that with what you were given. Like, they didn't change his name or anything, but they changed that. And it was like, that feels mm -hmm. like this was always his backstory. It feels like it was meant to be. Like, it was so perfect. Yeah. And I really appreciated the way that they integrated the costume and set design already established in the first film with not only Telecon, but also Namor's costume. And I just loved the moment when we really first meet him. And, you know, there's a, this whole conversation going on about vibranium. And then I forget who it was, but one character says, like, we can take him like we have vibranium. And then what? Shuri says, Mom, so he's he. covered in he's it. Covered in it. You're like everything he's wearing is made of vibranium. Yep. Yeah. And it's because it doesn't completely look like the vibranium that we're used to seeing in the context of Wakanda. And it's because they're two different civilizations. Yeah. But, you know, it's have, uh, if anybody yeah. who watches Pawn Stars, like the, or if you've been to a pawn shop, the shopkeeper, you hand her, you hand him a gold bracelet and he knows immediately if it's gold or not. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. you can, it's, you, you and me can't tell that it's vibranium, but she works with it every day. And she's like, no, yeah, yeah he's, <laughs> he's covered in it. And she's like, no, we cannot. He is literally covered in this this precious, precious resource that even we don't cover ourselves in, you know, like and in traditional like or like day to day Wakanda um the costuming, I mean like it's there, but they're not dripping in it. <laughs> He's literally dripping in vibranium. So um besides the Black Panther. But that's that's a different thing. So I just really appreciated like how they really balanced these two different stories coming in with the established um, Academy Award winning art direction and set design and costuming and stuff like that. Are they going to win again? Oh, yes. Of course they will. <laughs> what? I'm trying to think what else has come will. out this year. Maybe Elvis is like the only real competition, and I don't think that it would win yeah. against this. Um no, and I think it's just because it's way too, um, they put so much detail into it. And it's not just about the effectiveness on screen, but I think they would also take into account the effectiveness off screen. And, you know, if you can walk away from a film, like palpably feeling an absence of that world, it's probably through the set design or the art direction. And I feel like... That's what happens when you leave this film. And I think that's what a lot of people felt when they left the first Black Panther film. I mean, it was a total, um, just like, uh, wave, like a cultural wave of appreciation for what they did in that movie. And I can see the same thing happening in this one. Absolutely. There, well, excuse me. Um, there are, 
you know, a lot of people are going to be exposed to the, to these kind of visuals for the first time, you know, and I've never seen it portrayed like this. You know, I think Mesoamerican artwork is very cool, but, you know, I've, um, you know, not even in major movies is it often portrayed in a respectful way. Like I would say if you've never seen Apocalypto, uh, depending on how you feel about Mel Gibson, um, that might be uh, uh, one to check out. And it's... Um, you know, and I, historically, I can't tell you if it if the the violence and stuff, and it's at only because I don't know if the violence portrayed in a movie like Apocalypto is historically accurate. But they're they show the culture with a lot of respect, and it's visible. You know, and they use the real ancient languages. Um, but that's probably the only moment that I can think of in a in a big movie where Mesoamerican culture is on display. So. Like is is under the spotlight, like so, in such a way as it is in in Wakanda Forever. Um, I was I would specify live action. In sure. That. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I know I've uh, got some other notes here about uh, some uh, performances and things, but let's let's go ahead and move into because uh, I want to talk about that stuff in more detail. So let's. Um, yes. Any uh, uh, any final notes before we move into spoilers? I just say I that I really I liked the film, but I didn't walk away from the film feeling really energized or I don't like know if anything. energized is the word. I I wasn't hyped at the end of this movie. Yeah. Um, but I don't I don't know that that's a problem. I don't know the word. I don't know that you and I mean the same thing when I say that. Like I it was it is a it's like it's really gloom you know, so it it's it doesn't have like a big uplifting ending. It is a movie about grief and moving on, and we're only just beginning to move on by the end of it. And it's long. You know, there's a lot there's a lot crammed into it, and it's there's so much about this movie that I love. I will say that it's kind of messy. Um, there's some stuff in here that doesn't need to be taking screen time away from what's really from what really matters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, but yeah, I will. I don't know yeah, that it I has just a felt downer. Like the story was kind of messy. Yeah, like, and I don't think it has a downer ending. But it definitely like it's really melancholy. That's the word I'm trying to find. Like this, the it's the the wrap up of the movie is really melancholy and bittersweet. Um, and I would even say that there, I have some issues with the third act that I could point uh, issues that I could lay on a number of superhero movies, uh, but. You know, in general, we'll I need really to get into spoilers for that. Yeah, yeah. In in general, <laughs> I really like this movie, and it's um, it's an emotional ride for sure. And I would say it's one of the better recent movies. You know, for like the Multiverse of Magnus and Love and Thunder are both kind of rough. So it's this was a nice change of pace. Um, yeah, this this just felt like an epic. Like it felt yeah, it like really does. All of the Marvel movies are on a big scale, but you walk away from some thinking like, uh, I don't know, and I don't know if that's because like of the story of this one. I don't know if it's the cinematography is just better than like some of these more recent ones. Like Love and Thunder looks like uh, somebody said Love and Thunder looks like a PlayStation commercial. <laughs> Well, love of, love and Thunder looks like a 1980s a metal video, and that's that's yeah. what you know, and that, that's probably why I enjoy it um, more so than it's an actually actually a good movie. But 
Yeah, but it didn't feel like a sprawling epic like this does. This That's felt absolutely true. like really big in scope, and I know they want all of them to feel like big event movies, but this one actually, I feel like I walked out thinking like, okay, this was something. Okay. <laughs> Katie disagrees. I mean, I don't <laughs> disagree, but I don't agree completely either, and that's fine. Fair. I just, I like... I just I kind of left with the feeling like okay we ticked that box. I don't know if I ever really want to watch it again. I That's how I felt after Black Widow. I was like okay that that's yeah. a movie that's a movie yeah. that exists. Black Widow uh, might as well be a movie that doesn't exist. Yeah, <laughs> which is so is. sad. Yeah, yeah after ah. I may be suffering because I it was still like COVIDy at the time, and I watched it on Disney Plus at home, and I think it's we the did only too. Marvel only Marvel movie I haven't seen in a theater, but uh, I don't know that that would have helped it much. I was like, you know, I think it is. It's probably no that and Shang Chi are the only uh, the only MCU movies I haven't seen in the theater. Yeah, Black Widow. It just felt like, why are we doing this? It felt like we were backtracking, and then it wasn't even very good. So I was like, what was what that's fair. Point? <laughs> I would say that I probably like Shang Chi better than I liked Wakanda Forever. I might, uh, I might agree with yeah. that. Okay. Oh yeah. Let's let. <laughs> you're probably right. Uh, moving on. Um, so we, uh, listeners, viewers, at this point forward, we're going to talk about anything we want. Uh, full spoiler. So if you haven't seen the movie, you should go watch the movie, and then you should come back and uh, and listen to the rest of the show. And tell us if, if you think we're wrong. Okay. Um, so before we, there, there's some some more uh, moments, uh, folks in the cast I want to retouch on. But uh, before we do that, I got a question for you guys. Uh, okay. Watching this movie, I I teared up a little bit three times. When do you think that happens? Oh my the god! Beginning. The beginning with the Tzala's yeah. funeral. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Um, Queen Ramonda dying. Yeah. Our the 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 one and two the 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 one and true queen uh, Angela Bassett. Yep. Yeah. And, and then uh uh the uh, mid mid credit scene with uh T'Challa's son. Yes. Nailed yeah. it. Yeah, I agree because those are the same three times that I got teary. Excellent. See, she you, it it did get to you. It did, but I just I felt like okay. the, the things that the things that work about this movie really work. I, it's it's yeah. too overstuffed, and there are things in it that yeah. don't work, in my opinion. Um, but no, the yeah. number one thing that I could have lived without in this film was freaking Valentina. What's her name? Oh, I, I knew you were gonna say that. That's you're, right? Yes. I was just like, why, why? Uh, you why? Know, I do I, not need you here. I love Julia Louis Dreyfus. <laughs> I love Martin Freeman. You know, I'm a, a staunch defender of of the Hobbit movies, or at least at least one and a half of them. But it's you're you're absolutely right. You know, and they're the reason he's in this movie is because he was in the first one, and yeah. they there's some relevant stuff there's some stuff in this movie that will be relevant later for like the thunderbolts and they didn't really have a place to put it so then they put mark because he's in the first one they put it in, in here and it was just taking screen time away for the things that really mattered to this story um yeah, i feel like he has a good rapport with like okoye and shuri and then though yeah. like i feel like i agree with kind that kind of fun together they have fun banter and i, I thought like julia louis dreyfus was fun <laughs> 
Yeah, they can kind of like shit on him, and he's still kind of yeah. like a nice, easygoing guy. But uh, yeah. I, I liked Jul- Julia Louis Dreyfus. I don't my, know if she's going to be in this movie. My issue isn't. Of... I like her too. Yeah, it's not with Julia Louis Dreyfus or no. there are the character like you know Valentina. It's the the fact that they have no purpose to this story. Like there, there's no, <laughs> there's no resolution within this movie. There's no resolution for the things that they're doing. So it doesn't really. Yeah. End up, I, did she end up screwing them over somehow? I can't remember. Or were they really just like talking in their kitchen and it had no effect on Literally had no effect else? on the rest of the film. None. <laughs> and then in that, um, at I guess the very she found, end. She found the thing that he, the, yeah. the, the bracelet, the beads. She found that and. Yeah, that she, that's. <laughs> We needed to arrest Martin Freeman, and for some reason, they used to be married, which is different in the comic than the comic books. For some, like that's okay. kind of fun. Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, for there's, it, more it's of fine, them. but it's you know, I, I you know, I, I like their it dynamic opens together. Way too many, it's, it's it opens way too many messy doors. And yes. I'm just like, why? Just separate them. Like they don't have to be together. This and opens up to way have, too many plot holes. Um, just knowing what's coming. Uh, because I, I'm a dork and I pay attention to these things. And just the fact that we've lost William Hurt also, you know, like there's there, the Thunderbolts movie is coming and Harrison Ford is apparently playing Thunderbolt Ross, but they are going to like, I really think they're going to minimize Thunderbolt Ross in that movie. We're going to get one scene with Harrison Ford wearing the mustache and Thunderbolt Ross is going to die and they're going to name a new superhero team after Thunderbolt Ross. Uh, and we're never going to get the Red Hulk. Uh, that bums me out because Red Hulk is awesome. But you're probably right about that. But no, yeah. I was because I was going to say it's not exactly like uh, they're recasting William Hurt with the most like youthful guy. No, yeah. He's, <laughs> in, he's, he's, he's 80 years old. So they're they're planting the seeds. Uh, with Martin Freeman and Julia Louis Dreyfus to be in charge of the Thunderbolts, so that is, so I, that we don't wanna, have Thunderbolt Ross, or because we won't I have Thunderbolt so, Ross. I want to be so much more excited about that, but then they revealed who the team was, and I was like, okay, so it's everybody from Black Widow plus like Bucky Barnes from your and, favorite movie. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> we already saw them together. Why, like, the whole idea of, like, a team-up movie should be like, oh, wow, these guys together? And it's like, <laughs> okay, well, we saw them together before, and I guess... Like, they're, what? They're I mean, there, there are Never other choices. Point. Like, we could bring back Betty, and then she could be Red She-Hulk. Who freaking knows? But, like, you know, like, they're... Just um, give us something other than like here's a team of guys who all use guys and girls who all use guns and swords and that's it. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, they all the, do the same thing. They serve the same function. Why are they on a team together? Everyone was like was really excited because they they were convinced that we were going to get anyway. We're we're rambling about things that may never happen. Yeah, but it's um where basically they're they're planting the seeds now because we're going to have a Thunderbolts movie that can no that isn't going to have William Hurt in it. So they are. Basically, I, I really think they're going to kill off uh, Harrison Ford as Thunderbolt Ross, and then Valentina is going to be in charge of the Thunderbolts. Um, and they, you know, that's she was in Falcon Winter Soldier, and they may have already had that plan. Uh, you know, maybe yeah, William. Uh, I forget when William Hurt passed, but it's. I it seems like it's it's stepping stones toward that, and it had to take up space somewhere. And unfortunately, it takes up space in a movie that's already two and a half hours long. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she feels like they're they're Amanda Waller in this universe. 
Yeah. And the thing is that I saw this question on, on another channel, and I'd love to know what you guys think. Please. But they they were saying, um, they were saying, wouldn't some of these people, like a lot of these people, especially, what's his name, John Walker, wouldn't they know that she's the fucking director of the FBI or the CIA? She's the new, new director. That's They pointed out that she's she's been recently promoted. Um, that's a, um, a thing that okay. happened in, in within this movie. Um, but, but, you know. Even then, to get that kind of promotion, you have to be like high up in that institution or in that world. Like. You I are just, you are not wrong, I'm, and she, yeah, it's I'm, you know, I'm not trying. I'm not saying it makes is. sense. You're right. That's the, um, <laughs> and you know, and Valentina de blah 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 de Fontaine. She has too many. Her name has too many syllables in it. Um, she has she toes the line. She's been a uh, an ally. She's been a villain. Like one of her nicknames is Madam Hydra. Like she could be a Hydra agent, and is now mm -hmm. the the head of the CIA. You know, now that. The, the, the MCU can't seem to decide if S.H.I.E.L.D. exists or not at this point. <laughs> but They can't even decide if Hydra exists or not. Because I'm, I'm just like, didn't... We've done this. We've done this. We've been there before. Thank God they, uh, thank God they put Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> they put Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. out of its misery. Because I can't imagine those poor writers having to be like, okay, what the hell is happening in this uh, universe now? we got to write this into it. They were hanging on by a thread starting a show and then like what their second season the mcu is like oh shield is hydra no longer no, first, exists. The first first season there was the first season wasn't even over and they were like all right shield exploded sorry oh my god yeah those i'm sure they're happy they don't have to like figure out what to do with all of this now i like if if steve rogers ever jumps back into this shit he's gonna be like but i <laughs> like are, what are what are we doing here so i just I, I don't know i don't know they but back to like where we got here from this yeah like those are just the kinds of questions that like for for folks like us or or fans of who know what could be happening in the future or readers of the comic books putting in those little details like that are like they're one they, you know, expand out of the world of the movie that we are currently in. And then it's just distracting for the rest of it. So not only are you taking up screen time in a movie that's already long and a plot that already has so much going on in it with so many people already in it, you're adding in more people, more plot, more stakes, which have yeah. nothing to do with the issue at hand. So, like, those are just distracting. If you want to set that stuff up, do it in a post credit scene like you did in phases one and two. I don't understand what is so hard about that. Uh, you know, say, I, I agree. It, uh... it's, uh, I'm sorry, Wesley. It's it's Age of Ultron syndrome. You know, I there are there there are a lot of good things in Age of Ultron and there are people that will disagree with me on that. But the, there is there's also a lot of fluff because they're setting up things that are coming later. Uh, you know, there's way too many. There, there's a whole scene where there's they're teasing Thanos and like all the, the Avengers are dead on the ground. And then they're talking about yeah. Thor Ragnarok before Thor Ragnarok was a thing. And it's there. Yeah. It's the same thing here is we are more if they're I can say that Marvel's patient and they are OK with with dropping stones in the 
puddle, uh, and then we're going to get the big wave later on, but it's... Like, it, the movie's I mean, already least, long. Uh, Go ahead, Wesley. At least at least there wasn't like a 10-minute chunk where like a Koye or somebody has to go like get in a bath water or something and see visions of like another movie that's coming out in five years or whatever. <laughs> like whatever the Thor thing was in Age of Ultron and then Ragnarok ended up being like a totally different movie than that anyway. It's like it's true. No, yeah. So they're set up for nothing. Things change even between now and when those things eventually happen. So it's it, you know, who who knows? The the yeah. point is there's I would agree that there wasn't a lot of place for the Allegra de, de Valentina de Fontaine, um, uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus character. I we could have had the one scene where they go to Martin Freeman and find him, and then they go on the one mission with Martin Freeman, and then we move on. Um, yeah, it's like, hey, bro, thanks, th uh, th get, thanks for get being two our... good colonizer jokes in there. And yeah, like, just get out, move on. Yep. <laughs> Um, what did you guys think about? Things... Oh, go ahead. Oh no, go ahead because I was about to kind of change change the subject <laughs> okay. yeah. to another character. I just i I was thinking about you know these things that we've talked about with how many people there are and the plots and everything going on with the film, and I was wondering why does this feel so different from the first Black Panther film, which is I mean I honestly think it's such a masterpiece and it holds up so well and it does deserve all of the attention that it got like being nominated at the academy awards and all of that and i think it's because one the film works together so well in all of its elements but two the story itself while so progressive is so classic because it's the hero's journey and you have all of these classic archetypes at play in the one film and it's a very clear act structure and you can follow it and you have the plot structure as well playing in with the acts. And it's just crafted so well as a story with classic archetypes that are used so cleverly and so gratifyingly in one film. And I don't feel like that with this. And I don't feel like that with a lot of other Marvel films coming out. But in the early days or in the, the um, you know, first film, of all of these characters. Like, I, I feel like they can do that. So I don't know. I just felt like thematically and with the archetypes of storytellings and narratives and building up a, a plot structure with, you know, in three acts, like it just works so well in the first film. And it's just so clunky and like not gratifying in Wakanda forever. And I feel like that's the main difference and why I left feeling just kind of like meh about it. I I think there's I'm not going to disagree. I, I think there's so much thematic material here that is so important. Um, and I don't know that they nail all of it, but, you know, it deals with we've uh, um, hammered the nail about grief uh ex extensively now you know it also deals with um colonizers and or like the the white superpower for you know just the forcing uh mm -hmm. small you know forcing smaller nations to in, into conflict for their own benefit and um there there's a lot here it might be 
it might be too much that, you know, shit. Uh, Shuri's whole journey kind of deals with science versus spirituality. And, and, you know, there's, yeah. it's just a lot, you know, and I think it's, I think it's too much and it's, or if the movie could have been, the movie is long, it could have been just as long, but we could have spent some more time on the things that matter than some of the things that we do. Um, mm -hmm. I definitely want to talk about Shuri. Uh, spoiler alert, by the end of the movie, Shuri is not the queen, but she is the new Black Panther. Um, the beginning of the movie, Shuri's in a play, you know, um, uh, the heart-shaped herb, the, the, the plant that gives T'Challa the Black Panther powers, the effects of it have worn off and he has a disease. It's They're unclear if it's a virus or if he has cancer like Chadwick Boseman did, etc. But, or, you know, her, she's losing the last moments with her brother because she's focusing on the science and trying to recreate this uh, this herb because if she can give him the the Black Panther powers again it'll save his life uh, and she doesn't she doesn't get there in time uh, and then through a lot of the movie like and even in the first movie she downplays the spirituality of the Wakandan culture you know and she doesn't believe that the um, the spiritual plane exists and uh, and then by by the end of the movie, after she's lost her brother and her mother and so many of her friends and family because of this conflict with Talakan, um, uh, she and she takes the takes the, the heart shaped herb herself. She is able to create a new one from using materials that she was given by uh by Namor using a uh, using chemicals in a bracelet from Namor, she was able to recreate the heart shaped herb, and she becomes the Black Panther, and she goes to the spiritual plane and sees a person that I did not expect to see there. But you know, it's that Shuri's whole journey here, like it's grief is a big part of it, but it's also finding a balance between the scientific and the logic and the spiritual nature of her people and her culture. Uh, and you know, I thought that was very interesting. Um, takes a long it, time takes a long time to get there the main... and, it, and it takes a big you know i don't know that it was as well developed as it could have been i think she reaches a point and turns a corner more so than we see like a change over the course of three hours but what are you gonna say katie i was just gonna say that i mean you're you're not wrong but they just didn't highlight it in a way yeah that, no that's maybe that's, maybe that's what i'm trying apparent. to say yeah, yeah um, and so like that, I think that's what the first movie did that was so much better. They said, this is the problem and this is the conflict. Like, this is the external conflict and this is the internal conflict. And we get touches of that in this film, but nothing is so explicitly stated like 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 you just did so well um, that that's so lost in the midst of, of everything else going it, on. It, it, it would may be, be a, a little too subtle. It was about that. Yeah. yeah. It'd be a beautiful story if this whole thing was embedded in shuri's uh reconciliation between um science and and religion right because that's a very you know hot hot debate hot topic yeah it's, it's, it's can, a big deal express and it's can, a big deal in you know today's society for sure and it's like again yeah. i don't know that it's handled the best way you know like it's probably a little bit too subtle and it almost seems like you know she goes to the spiritual plane and sees 
Killmonger there. She doesn't see her brother. She doesn't see her father. She sees another person that had a lot of rage and rage and vengeance in their heart. Uh, you know, and that's the moment that she decides, okay, I don't want to be this person. Um, but she, you know, it's it's like one almost inciting moment, and she kind of turns a corner more so than she has an an arc that's highlighted through the movie, like probably yeah. the way that it should have been. Um, yeah. Like but, it feels like it feels like she kind of gets a little more angry and like violent, like more violent after she sees Killmonger. Yeah, you know, she he he has an effect on her for sure. Um, and yeah. then she has to she has to find the midpoint. Um, but you know, it's just she like, makes. She makes like that one comment near the beginning of the movie about like wanting to burn everything down. But then like throughout the movie, it feels like she is like, yeah, Namor is a bad guy. Like I, we can talk. We can talk through this. Like everything's fine. We can do this peacefully. And yeah, I think it is interesting where like as soon as she sees Killmonger after that, it's like, oh, I'm ready to like go in on people. Mm -hmm. And it's it, like it's kind of like they're trying to have their cake and eat it, too, because yeah. She needs to have that arc, but also you don't want your main character to be a dick throughout the entire movie. It's like she has to be likable for the majority of it. So I don't I don't know. I guess it's the best that they could have done, given the circumstances, because you don't want her to be angry and. uh, uh I don't want to say maniacal. She she her she was, she was in the right place, I guess. I don't know. She was being angry but like yeah we don't want her to be a tragic hero yeah yeah it's yeah i it letitia wright is given quite a lot of work to do in in this movie and i don't i think she gives a good performance i don't you know she is a um, younger actress, she's not as seasoned a performer as, say, Chadwick Boseman. Um, you know, so I may, I don't, I don't want to lay it all in the actress. There's definitely some issues with the writing here too. But you know, that I would say there are better performances in the movie than we than the one we get from Letitia Wright. Um, yeah, I will say after this one though, I felt like I was a little more sold on her because I wasn't yeah. necessarily at first, and afterwards, I think I was like, um, and, okay, I I can see her carrying. Yeah. Another one of these. Um, and people kind of, you know, people kind of expected her to be Black Panther. Um, I heard on another podcast, like maybe the the way they move forward is each movie has a different character as the Black Panther. You know, at the end of the movie, it's kind of implied that M'Baku is going to become the king of Wakanda. And traditionally, it's the king of Wakanda that becomes the Black Panther. Um, but, you know, the Shuri... But, she doesn't but, ever set out to be Black Panther. No, yeah, she never so she never wanted it. Um and it's kinda maybe opening opening too many too many cans here. Um they Marvel's already let out of the bag that we're going towards secret wars. Um and assuming that they're using the the recent version of Secret Wars, because it is better and makes a lot more sense with where the MCU is right now. Shuri was the Black Panther during that. It was a big crossover event, uh, you know, similar to Infinity Gauntlet or what have you. Um, and Shuri is the Black Panther in that story. 
Um, I don't specifically recall why. Uh, I don't. I don't remember if T'Challa was dead or if he was. You know, the characters get it's comic books. Characters get lost in other dimensions, or there's any any other any number of reasons why. But you know, maybe like I got a feeling they were moving towards Shuri becoming the Black Panther for Secret Wars, whether or not we were we were going to be able, whether or not we would stick around with T'Challa. Um, maybe T'Challa was was going to something was going to happen to him in this movie before we lost Chadwick. At this point, we, we'll probably never know that. But you know, there is they, <laughs> they had to make Letitia Wright uh, Black Panther because she refused to get vaccinated. It was the only way they could get a mask on her. <laughs> <laughs> Rude. Wow! Wow! Called him out, like dude. That in a long time. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, and, and that's, there were some whispers about, you know, maybe we shouldn't be making this person our role model, blah, blah, blah. I, I, I don't want to mess with all that, but, um, no, yeah, there's, I guess my point is it's Letitia Wright probably would have fallen into these shoes at some point, no matter what, um, this, unfortunately, this movie had to get there sooner than they intended, whether or not that was the end goal or whatever. Um, she's given big shoes to fill. And like, I think she does a good job, not a great job. Um, they're, well, they, they kind of set it up now for, uh, the recast T'Challa folks, uh, with them revealing the yes. son at the end, also being named T'Challa, like the opportunities are endless now. Like, I mean, I don't, he's very young right now, so I don't know what they would do, but they, I mean, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Like, how, how old does, does he have to be before he can become the king? But like, he's also only six or something. Um, so we would have yeah. to have another big time jump, like the snap, or we would, mm. um, or to, he comes in from another dimension and he looks like he's, is a different person, you know, like the, the Loki show introduced the idea of variants and we have Spider-Man No Way Home where three people from different universes are Spider-Man, but they all look completely different. Um, you know, and that's considering we're apparently in the middle of a, a multiverse saga that hasn't messed with the multiverse very much. Um, you know, there are any number of ways that we they could bring back T'Challa. Um, maybe they I don't know what's going to happen in the Kang Dynasty. Maybe we go into the quantum realm and just a bunch of time passes and we come back out and that's oh my god t'challa's an adult movie. oh that jordan is t'challa now <laughs> um so how about our uh our one true queen angela bassett she rules man like oh my god. this oh god, was, she's like, so I good feel like she she's in the first black panther and she's great in that too but i feel like she's not given like that much to do Per That's se. Fair. Yeah. And in this and this one, she's like acting her ass off. And it's like wild. She yeah. uh And she doesn't she take shit from anybody. <laughs> yeah. She's she's going in in this one. And I I know people have talked about like the uh supporting actress conversations like for Oscars. Um I feel like I mean I don't know what the competition is like this year, but I feel like it's it's a possibility. If there's not a lot of competition this year, they could they could go that way. She was awesome. I I definitely think I, she'll be in the running. I would love to see it happen. Um, I I don't know. As far as women, I don't know who else would be the pick. She'd probably be in the supporting category. What do you think? We're gonna Katie? have to sure. wait and see with that because we are just now approaching the time of year when all of those yeah, like a, award season is yeah. really just starting. Um, 
I mean, that's a good start. She's a great start to this conversation. <laughs> so, I mean, if, if it's only going to get better from here, like, wow. <laughs> like, we got a lot to look forward to. Like a, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think that she was absolutely amazing. I mean, she was so good in, in the first one. But I really agree with, with Wesley that she has so much more to do in this film. And it's just ironic that she's taken out of the game three quarters of the way through or even halfway through. So I feel like that won't work in her favor. Right. Um, when we get to whatever the voting body is going to look at. And I think that her really like stunning moment is at the beginning of the movie. So I I don't know how those voting bodies are going to approach that. But that one scene, I think that everybody, no, two scenes, just two scenes that are really good. One, one at the beginning and one in the middle. Yeah. Um, the, the one yeah. Uh, where she's firing a Koye and then yes, uh, the yeah. one where she's uh, presenting to the United Nations. I guess it's the United Nations. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, she's she's great. But in between those two moments, like she's she does wonderful work, right? Like she's great. But I don't know if like that level is sustained, you know, that like emotionality level is sustained throughout her her time in the movie. So I don't know. I don't know how the voting bodies are going to approach that. But she's got two wickedly good scenes yes. under her belt. So I think she'll definitely be a contender and I'll be rooting for her. So. Okay. Where are we? I, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to take the, the lead on this. I liked uh, Riri Williams in this movie played by Dominique Thorne. It's another character that I don't think really needed to be here. It was taking up space that could have been used yeah. for other things, but I, I enjoyed the performance. You know, I, I think her, her Iron Man scenes were kind of lame, but I liked, I liked the character. I'm interested to see more from the character. They could have waited to give us more from the character outside of Wakanda forever. Yeah, she was the one I was going to bring up when we were talking about Val, if uh, it felt yeah. like she was tacked on or not. But it feels like Riri Williams was like important to the beginning of the movie. Like she definitely had a place there and was important. And it was uh, she was part of the plot with the whole uh, even if they still they can find vibranium because um, there's an Ironheart series coming out. But even if they still name dropped her, um, uh, you know, or it. It would be like some of the Easter eggs dropped in the early Marvel movie. Like if you watch Iron Man or like particularly Iron Man 2, if you want to force yourself to sit to sit through that again, there are a lot of little bits about things that are coming. Um, yeah. But it's just like little name drops or it's like Wakanda shows up on a map in Iron Man 2. And that was eight years before or six years before Black Panther showed up in Civil War. You know, like so little seeds like that. Oh, yeah, this machine was invented by this kid at MIT named Riri Williams, blah, blah, blah. You know, and you could name drop it in dialogue, and then we could get find out more about her later. But again, it was just yeah. another one of many things that are taking up space in this movie. And or again, give her the I, space to be introduced in the way that they did in the beginning of the film. They go to Cambridge and whatever. And then, like, leave her in Cambridge. <laughs> you know? Like we're yeah, good. Or, or maybe even drop her off like after like I know she uh gets kidnapped by Namor and all that, but maybe once they're back in Wakanda, they're like, All right, see you later, because then she's in the 
third act, the big final battle, but she yeah. doesn't really have anything to do other than like, yeah. And the big final battle is really lame, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I kind of dig the final battle a little bit. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't are... think everybody needs an Iron Man suit. Like, I don't want a Koye and all. I agree with that. And like, there suits, are. But... I got. I guess we can we can chat about it now. There. Are... The ship that they're on is just like this big pyramid thing, and it's just like very uninteresting compared to other Wakanda technology. Like the little ships they fly around on are awesome. Why doesn't it look like one of those? Yeah. Like you know, if, okay, it's a submarine. It's not a. It's not a uh, an aircraft, but it's just like it doesn't. It didn't even seem like it was designed by the same kind of culture because even in the technology. Uh, they they build build these amazing machines, but it feels it fe they feel like they fit in with the you know the African flair and with this sub watercraft whatever thing it didn't seem it just wasn't that interesting. Um, it's mm -hmm. like maybe a little too practical in its design uh, and not I, mean, I don't know it isn't. Um, and then like got me. I I I'm, hold on but hold on like I love the way that the. The, the Talakan soldiers, in, like, you know, they climb up the sides of the boats and stuff. And then, OK, these the Black Panther and these other people in suits like swinging across the sides of the ship, knocking them off like it should have been way cooler than it was. Uh, I'm sorry, Katie, go ahead. No, I don't apologize. I was just I, I totally get what you're saying with that. But the thing that really bothered me with the final battle scene was just the weird uses of cinema time. Like throughout yes. the yes. whole sequence, and it it was go ahead, Wesley. Like, what what, what did you I, think? I think what it is, right? And correct me if I'm wrong, but like they filmed like we're going back and forth between the stuff that's in the ocean and then Shuri versus Namor on land. And uh, the Shuri, Shuri starts Namor. on the boat, and then Namor comes up, and then they the whole point is they're yeah. trying to dry him out because he's weaker, so they throw him in the desert. Basically, go ahead. Yeah, but that whole uh, the whole scene on the desert is that that's filmed with the IMAX cameras, and the other stuff is not. Am I right about that? <laughs> I that's what it looks I noticed like. it. the The aspect ratio kept changing. It looks so but, uh, weird. Uh, like they both Wesley, look people who are you and me own, don't but... notice that. Well, they look good on their own, but it then just like going back and forth between, I was like, this looks strange. Like, yeah. either film them all with the IMAX cameras or like separate these scenes because going back and forth like that was just very and odd. <laughs> ideally, in those big final scenes, you don't want to switch between them. That's your showstopper. Yeah. So. It's the, the, okay, I have complained before on this show, particularly in DC movies, but a little bit in Marvel movies, where the third act is CGI vomit, and there's, you know, the yeah. very little of it is actually shot on camera, and that's part of the problem here, is we're shooting, yeah. they're cutting between a scene that's in 235, mostly CGI, um, and a scene that is shot, shot in IMAX with, like, ultra-wide lenses, uh, yeah. So everything looks, you know, the desert looks vast and huge and uh, Namor looks like a giant uh, in, in a four by three giant IMAX screen. And it's because you're cutting between them. So it's there. But that's not to say that you can use you like you can still use IMAX scopes for your like or virtual IMAX scopes for your CGI scenes. Like it's, it's like the. I I think the scenes on the beach with Namor and uh, 
Black Panther looked better. And there, you know, the that was the only really the only time in the movie where I thought the choreography was really working. Um, otherwise, when people are fist fighting in this movie, it's not it's like when you compare it to the first oh. Black Panther, it's just not nearly as good. I disagree. I like the uh, uh, the Dora Milaje at the beginning were really good. And then like anything with Okoye before she gets like the, fighting with the spears the stupid, is usually dope. Yeah. yeah. Before she gets the stupid suit like she's awesome. <laughs> and and uh, Lupita's little scene where she's uh, rescuing them. I thought that was pretty good. The thing with with that whole sequence, though, for me, was that like they were stretching out the the battle on the ship with the Dora Milaje and the army uh, way too much. I mean, there were times when like they should have been over the side of that craft <laughs> in the water, but it took them forever. And they just keep slowly pushing them in. And I was like, Oh my God, you are not sinking this up. Right. Like, like the momentum here is like stopped, but you were trying to get a little bit more out of it. And I'm like, you either need to re-edit this or there is, I don't know. There, there is a, a, a way to shoot a big, like a scale, a big scale battle scene. Um, and a way to cut together a big scale battle scene. Uh, and some of the, interestingly, some of the Marvel movies follow it very well. Some of them do not. And that is if you're going to cut to a character, whether it's a hero, a villain, a main character, an extra, if you're going to cut to a character uh, during a big action scene like this, where there are tens, hundreds, thousands of characters involved, um, that character if, if, if you're going to occupy that screen time, they need to accomplish something or something yeah. or something needs to happen to them. Um, and I don't think that that is always the case here. Well, or like if you look back at the first Avengers movie, the, the third act, it's easy to follow. And every time you go to Captain America, Captain America either gets punched in the face or he uh, or he, he accomplishes something. You know, the 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 motions of the battle are always moving forward. Even when we go to these moments with individual people, um, something that the Lord of the Rings movies do very well. Uh, and those movies involve way more people that are involved in this scene. You know, the, 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 the battle of Helm's deep has 10,000 orcs in it, but every time we cut to one of our heroes, we see them do something. Um, mm -hmm. and I don't, yeah. I don't know that that is, that is the case here. And I don't, uh, maybe it's an editing issue. Maybe it's um, I don't. R Ryan Coogler, he's he d directs characters in dialogue scenes very very well, um, and he's also like, have you seen Creed? Like he's he's direct uh, he's at least staged interesting fight choreography in very cool ways in the past. Um, but it's like that if uh, the third act of this movie has a lot of issues i think some of them are pacing related and some of them are like kind of focus related um where like i think we should have probably spent more time or more of the focus should have been on leticia wright on black uh, uh shuri as black panther and namor and and less of it should have been with this big boat thing that wasn't that cool anyway um and but the way it's cut together is kind of 50 50 um mm -hmm. Now, I yeah, do want I to talk disagree. about uh, the Talukan and the way they fight um, and the way that they're, you know, they're an aquatic culture. Um, they 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 live underwater. Um, they attack like people 
like you might think people who live underwater, you know, they're not they're. I hate to just hate on the Aquaman movie, but those people that ignore the goofy technology, they're just people that are like they walk up out of the beach and they're standing there and they shoot you with a gun or hit you with a weapon. You're like, but the the Talakan, like I loved this scene early in the movie um, where they. Uh, Lake Bell is like this technician on a ship and they're, they have this machine that can detect, uh, uh, vibranium, which is kind of the MacGuffin that gets the, the, once the grief stuff is out of the way at the start, that's the MacGuffin that gets the rest of the movie rolling. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the, uh, they've discovered vibranium at the bottom of the ocean and that gets the attention of Talakan because ultimately it's going to lead them to their civil uh, it's going to lead the the surface to their civilization and they want to avoid that obviously so um they're they attack the ship and they're like that they, they look you looking out over the water and people like somebody tells a story about a siren or a mermaid or something and like and you can just see this big wide shot of a dark ocean and the moon. And then like in the, the little ripples where the moon is reflecting water, you see a little, t you see a little dot and it's somebody's head and you see another one and you see another one. Um, and then the next scene they're they're like secretly climbing up the sides of the ship in a very cool way. And then it's just like, and they're, uh, they're, Wesley and I were, we were at work the other day. We were talking about their weapons. Like they have grenades that are like pressurized water bombs. Like, and it's, oh dude, I just like, I'm just gushing over it. But like the, everything about the telecon culture in this movie, I, I love it so much. It's so cool. They look awesome. Like I love their little masks with a little bit of water in them. And I love those little, uh, grenades that are like, have a lake's worth of water in them. Yeah. yeah and like, and I and love, uh. Go ahead. Uh, the the little siren song where they're like luring guys to yeah. jump off the side of the boat. Like they were just awesome. Uh, and it's uh, interesting that they like they they turn blue when they're out of the water, you know, and set um, and they uh, uh, there's if you think about like. You, you ever gone? I never gone scuba diving, but I've done like snorkeling and stuff. If you're underwater, there's no gravity. Right. Or there there is gravity, yeah. but there are creatures around that can ignore it, you know, like little crabs and stuff crawl around on the underside of rocks and things, you know. So that's what the civilization of Talakan exists in a three dimensional space because gravity isn't as big a problem for them. You know, and it just makes so much sense. Uh, and, you know, and they have yeah. this they live in the dark, but they have this sun that's made like that rises up out of the pyramid and it's made of vibranium. And it's I don't know. It's I don't know that I'm going anywhere other than to say what I've already said, which is just that it's it's very cool. And it's it's obvious that they've thought about it quite a bit. Yeah, they thought about a lot of things that like I wouldn't have thought about, like. A lot more thought put into like what would be cool about an underwater culture than like and I think more than what Aquaman did. <laughs> like yeah. uh there's there's just so much going on on there and it feels it feels rich, like it feels kind of like how Wakanda felt in the first film. The only thing that I would have wanted more of was to like know how they're tactically and innovatively using the vibranium. Besides, like, an artificial sun. It's like, you don't get to see the process behind that other than, like, this and mystical... That's, and that's a good sun. point. And maybe they are not... Maybe they are, maybe they aren't as technologically advanced as Wakanda. Um, mm. But but that's a good point. You know, they, they obviously... They use it to make armor and weapons. Um, they use it to make watercraft, but they're... They're... 
they don't. That's a good point. Um, they're you know Wakanda like has was... vibranium in everything, um, and yeah. it's they do, uh, they don't really show off the Talakan technology and maybe it's because it's not as advanced as wakanda uh maybe it's because they were hiding it from us uh but that's a good point maybe and i i think that in in some ways maybe they just didn't show how um like in wakanda they've embedded the vibranium into their culture it identifies their culture and i don't know if vibranium identifies the telecon culture in the same way that it does the wakandan culture so that might be a difference in uh, how how it's embedded in the Talakon day-to-day life like it is in Wakanda. I don't know, but because they didn't show us. And, yeah, uh, and it's and I, I, I had think a thought, that's like, fine to leave those questions there. Yeah, and uh, we can certainly explore this. Like the Talakon and Namor could have had their own movie. Um, yeah. And, you know, it, it, they didn't need to be here. And I'm not upset that it's I'm not upset that, that it appeared in Black Panther. I'm just, uh, you know, there's there's enough left enough questions left that we could still explore it and be it could be very interesting um it's, it doesn't seem like a testament to the art direction as well because they've done such a good job at making such a palpable environment um in in telecon that we're like <laughs> that we can even ask these questions you know so I'd, yeah. I'd like to come to come see your your home city. Uh, well, you can't because you're you won't be able to see and it's dark and you'll get crushed unless you wear a suit. Here, I got I got one for you. <laughs> uh, it was a lot. It was a lot char- a lot more charming and a lot funnier when Tino Schwerta said it. But um, it was great. <laughs> no. Yeah. This is like just just dr- drop in a joke uh, here just to, you know, just to lighten the mood. You don't it doesn't need to be all funny all the time. Like in like in Love and Thunder. Um, oh, my God. Sorry. Sorry, that came yeah, from the soul. <laughs> that because I I've been very lenient on that sort of thing. Like I know a lot of people have that complaint about Ragnarok, but I felt like it was a pretty good balance for the most part. And I was yeah, think it's my favorite Thor movie. But then Love and Thunder was like, please, just for the love of God, take <laughs> anything seriously, please. There's mm-hmm. things happening. Like make me care. Show me that you care, so that I will also care. But this yeah. Wakanda Forever feels like the first one in a while that was like actually took things seriously and they would make little like crowd pleasing jokes, but they weren't at the expense of what was happening in the movie. Right. Um, And they were actually good. They weren't uh, a Luma Woody. What about okay? There, uh, there's been some complaints on on the interwebs. Uh, a lot of people are saying this movie's too dark. What do we think about that? You mean, you mean like in? Uh, well, oh, I'm like, sorry. It's it's too light. Yes, <laughs> it's not. It's uh, so particularly night, night scenes are not art. Uh, people are saying that they're not well lit, and it's a complaint that's been leveled against a lot of TV these days. Um, it's so cinematography wise, there are a lot of scenes that take place in the dark, and you can't see much. And I'm like, I don't. Did you guys watch the same movie as me? Like, you need to right? get, get, go watch it in like Dolby or something. It's I did not have that problem. Yeah, I did not I have that problem. I didn't have an issue with that because I know that's been kind of an ongoing thing on film Twitter is people that are like, please just like light movies better. R- like, rest in peace, Twitter. Push- yeah, they'll show a bunch of like comparison shots of like movies throughout the the years, throughout the decades, and it definitely does seem like uh, movies now are all like a little darker. But also, 
you could it's, cherry it's, pick from any HDR movie is a that. thing. Um, and also making movies has never been more expensive than it is. So a lot of people are shooting yeah. day for night, which is something that no one should ever do. Uh, and I have oh, yeah. been on I have been on night shoots in the winter and it's cold and it sucks. And you're out in the bush <laughs> when it's freezing for 14, like from sundown to sun up. And I have been there uh, and it's and it's hard. Um, but you you if if it's a night scene, you should shoot it at night, particularly if it's outside. Um, and that's just my my two cents on that. If it's if it's indoors, it's a lot easier to get away with day for night. But you can also light with indoor lighting at that point. So. But ironically, the piece de resistance of this conversation is the Game of Thrones Battle of Winterfell, which <laughs> was shot at night and you still can't see it. So it's like, where are we like? I mean, you know, I, like, you're you're not wrong. And that's another there are other problems going on there. But um, <laughs> what uh, anything else you guys want to want to mention? And then I want to talk about how we'd compare this to some other movies. I think the Michael B. Jordan inclusion in this film was done very thematically well. Like I yes. agree. And I kind of I yeah. saw a rumor that he was in the movie. I did wasn't sure when when what capacity, but I was pretty sure we, we would see him in some uh some form. Go ahead, Katie. Me too. I felt like like I, I was not going to be surprised if he was in this movie, but still the way that they revealed it, I was like <gasps> I was like, it's him. And so I felt like the way that they did it was just so um, embedded in something that could have felt so wrong, but it just was done so well that it was so right. You know, like it really could have gone either way. It could have been fan service or it could have been what it is, which is just really satisfying. And it was yeah. in a really pivotal moment for Shuri. You know, it's it happens very shortly after her mother has passed, which is after all of these other terrible things, you know, and she's she doesn't know how to feel. And he just like he finds the rage and lights it up. Um, go ahead, Wesley. No, I just thought I thought it was great because they could have easily done something similar to that that had no bearing on anything. But yeah, this actually did. And it was. I'm glad they did it because he was really like kind of the highlight of uh, the first Black Panther. And you're like, oh, well, it stinks that he can't be in this one. And then just when you think there's no way they uh, they reveal him there. And it's yeah. it's great. It's only one scene, but he's as awesome as you remember. Right. It's and we, powerful. Um, you know, you kind of go into. She doesn't believe that the spiritual plane is a thing, uh, you know, and she takes the the heart-shaped herb and she doesn't, we, we don't know what's going to happen. It's like, okay, I knew or was reasonably confident that it wasn't going, she wasn't going to see T'Challa because they made such a big deal about not using Chadwick Boseman other than there are a couple of flashback shots from other movies, but, mm -hmm. you know, they're not, there's nothing here that's new with T'Challa. Um, so I didn't... I didn't expect this to be the thing that was going to do it. I thought it would be her mom. Yeah, um, I fully thought it would be her mom. So this was like a really yeah. good subversion that uh, did not see coming. Yeah. Um, and yeah, no, I was uh, totally totally here for it. And I am I'm down with Michael B. Jordan any day of the week. I'm very excited for Creed three, which is his directorial debut. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, Wesley needs to watch the Rocky movies. Katie, have you seen, seen the Rocky movies? Rocky or Creed? Me either. 
Okay. Um, Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll we'll talk about that later on. Um, you. I just you... I want to know what Michael B. Jordan's approach was coming back into this movie, and I really hope that some really good interviewer gets it out of him someday. Because I, in my head canon, I like to imagine that he wanted to contribute thematically, like he has, and like brings some kind of closure to the character of Killmonger, but also like a chance to like get his own closure around the death of Chadwick Boseman and like contribute to his legacy through the sequel, which everybody kind of knew was going to be, be that. So I don't know if I'm romanticizing that whole situation. I very well could be, but it's it's they've made it so clear that like as a cast and crew on the first movie that they were like very much affected by oh yeah what that loss would be. And so I imagine that Michael B. Jordan is one hundred percent a part of that conversation. Uh, any uh, final thoughts, Wesley? Michael B. Jordan, the movie in general. No, I, uh, I, I love me some Michael B. Jordan. So any me too. excuse to get him in there. <laughs> I mean, and, and you, uh, the, I think both of you will really like the Creed movies. The, you will get more from them if you sit through some of the Rocky movies. The new one looks awesome. That's it does. when I saw that trailer, I was like, oh, Katie, shit, don't make do that face. Some of them these? are good. I just, oh, some I, of them are not. So some of them are. I just want to watch just, the one with the robot. I don't know if I want to sit through that much, like boxing, <laughs> mask masculinity. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm just like, oh, that uh, might be. I'm bringing in a lot of baggage, and but still, I'm yeah. Just like, and you're oh. you're you're gonna wanna you're you're gonna wanna slap Rocky for Adrian so many many times, or or, saying, or her why brother. Do I want to watch that. Yeah, like, but the Creed movies are so good, and I do think you can enjoy them. Just knowing that okay so rocky is the, the former world champion and he's old yeah. now but everybody loves him and i you know there's more to it than that but i think you can i think you can enjoy the creed movies knowing at least that much um i know what happens and why it's relevant to have a creed movie yeah so I don't know. uh anyway um I think uh, Wesley and I really liked Wakanda Forever. I definitely think it has some issues. It's it's a bumpy road. Like the first movie is really tight and kind of like streamlined and has its end goal in sight very clearly. This one, I think, suffers for a lot of reasons. There's some stuff uh, they're trying to set up too much and not focusing as much on what's happening in the now. Um, and they also had to deal with the impossible situation of Chadwick Boseman and their... Um, it's pretty good considering all the difficulties that they had to do with writing this movie. Um, but it could, you know, I maybe it needed another year in the oven or something, but it's yeah. in general, it's really good. Um, unless you, unless you ask Katie, I will, uh, I would I like to agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Katie made a point of, she'll probably be the, the, the odd one out here in the pre-show. And I'm just, we've been poking fun since then. Um, <laughs> So how do we think Black Panther Wakanda Forever stands up against some other recent or not so recent Marvel movies? Um, I, I think Shang-Chi is probably my favorite uh, of the new phase. Um, 
I don't think it's quite the emotional roller coaster that this movie is, but I do th like it's really smart. And it, again, introduces uh, a new uh, culture to the MCU. And it's like it's a love letter to old Kung Fu movies. Uh, and I just thought it was a great time. And the the cast in Shang-Chi is fantastic. Uh, Simu Liu is great. I, I'm I'm first in line anytime Aquafina is in anything. Um, I I do think uh, Wakanda Forever gets a leg up because there have been some not so good ones uh, recently. You know, we do, have we mentioned Eternals? There's another one that's like just like a big stumble. Um, that's probably oh, it's hard to pick, it's hard to say between that and Black Panther, which are Black Widow about which one I think is the the worst of Black a bunch. Widow. I think Black Black Widow was worse. Yeah, <laughs> Eternals. Oh. Eternals. When I was watching, and I was like, "Oh, this is all right. This is decent." And then, uh, if you quiz me on it right now, I would fail immediately. Like, it just—I don't know. That's a movie that does not exist. I there there's definitely some cool stuff in Eternals. I would say it handles its third act and its super powered characters fighting each other better than the end of Wakanda Forever does. It's probably the only thing in it that I would say is uh, has a leg up over this movie. It's just interesting that Eternals feels like the first one recently that was pushing the narrative of like, oh, we let the director do what she wanted to do. Like she got to do her movie and it just didn't I didn't feel like that to me. I don't know. But I, I could feel it more with like Multiverse of Madness uh and and this wakanda forever a little bit as well i there but were more moments feel so generic um there were more moments that i cheered for in multiverse of madness than probably any other recent marvel movie but there's also i would say that there's more stumbles uh, or there's a lot of stumbles in it that that don't really work so um well how are you feeling what do you feel katie the recent marvel movies have been a, a mixed bag to say the least yeah i brought up a uh infographic of phase four to pique my my interest remind me and i just i'm kind of astounded at how much of phase four has been dominated by uh, disney plus shows and i don't think it helps the performance of narratives in the blockbuster um films uh, we, we've had hits and misses with the films just as we have with the shows so you know, WandaVision, I loved, loved, I loved Loki. I did not like um, Eternals. It just felt, I mean, and it's so sad because there was so much potential, but it was just kind of like a mod podge of so much stuff. So much stuff. Just like Thor Love and Thunder was just like crazily all over the place. And had no clear you know, journey or story to really drive it. Black Widow, I liked, but it's not my favorite. I just feel like they could have done so much more with her than just like give her like a Some... traditional like, let me save my sisters kind of thing. Uh, somehow <laughs> I'm realizing we haven't mentioned Spider-Man. Katie, did, yeah. did you like Spider-Man No Way Home? Wesley and I reviewed it last year. I know he loves it. I loved it. Yes, I I really did. And I think it's because they knew what they had to work with and they didn't take a, they didn't detract from that story. 
they said when we cut away from this main story, it's going to drive the A plot, you know? Yeah. And I and felt like in so of many the... of these. Sorry. Oh, no, that? go ahead. Sorry. I was, I was, I was just going to say, say that the B the... plot. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Freaking the Discord. The B plot just doesn't. The B plot in a lot of these things just does not drive the A plot in a way mm. that is 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 good for one the format of of and you know whether it's an episodic or a film and it just doesn't drive the overall story we're think i think they're thinking too much in the future they're trying to set up too much stuff they're trying to think and ahead i agree Whereas, and we've been there before yeah but like the 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 beauty of phases one and two leading into three is that they weren't doing that so much and they let the stories have their own weight and their own impact. So I I mean they yeah. they were there are some movies it's more obvious than others but like Thanos appears at the end of the first Avengers movie. You know, like they knew where they were going as as far back as 2012. Um but they didn't let that bog down. That's true. The film. Other than Age yeah, of Ultron. It wasn't Yeah, Age of Ultron really does it. And that seems to be like the big complaint that everybody has. But yeah, and like Far From Home, I feel like even with all of the, if you want to call it fan service, but like all of the old returning characters, it all still felt you mean like no, no way home or Far From Home. Of no way home. It's it's, it's more confusing <laughs> when the when the titles all sound the same. Yeah, well, it all it all felt like it was about the Peter that the Tom Holland Peter Parker, yeah. like even the other Peter Parker showing up, it was all in service of like his journey which yeah. absolutely good. it's like, a it's a really it's like I, I i well i think it could be trimmed down a little bit probably but like it's a it's a the the path from a to b is very clear and there's a story that they're telling about our tom holland's peter parker yeah like it was fan service but it was also in service of the story and i i appreciated that whereas thor 11 is all assumed fan service just totally assumed Totally assumed. <laughs> yeah, um, and the, so um, yeah. you were talking about B plot, like Thor: Love and Thunder. It promised us this interesting story with Natalie Portman with Jane Foster, um, and I don't. I think that is the thing that disappointed me the most. Is there so like there's so much more interesting? I just smacked the microphone. Interesting material that they could have given us there. Yeah, they do. Especially they do nothing with, with uh... yeah, like especially the, the parallels. And in fact, I was talking with Wesley about it in the booth earlier this year. Like the parallels between Jane Foster and she, when she when she doesn't have the camp the the hammer, she's terminally ill, and then um, uh, Gore the God Butcher is this like sickly or like this weak alien race. And he's when he doesn't have the necro sword, he's like, he's really frail and fragile. Like, and there's just some really interesting thematic material there that they could have explored and there, and they don't like at all. Yeah. Um, and so not to say that, to me. I, and I think that the, the parentage, like theme of it, like it's for a first viewing, it seems like it kind of just appears it just bookends everything, but like, I think it, it's it's if you if you give the movie a chance, I think it fills in some of the the um, the family kind of aspects of it. Uh, it's 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 you know it's sewn in there, it's sewn through there pretty pretty okay. But it's 
Again, there's there's a lot they could have done with Love and Thunder that they didn't in favor of making it an 80s rock video. Um, but again, I've watched the movie five understand. times. I just don't understand how that happened because Taika Waititi is an amazing filmmaker. And not just filmmaker, writer. Have you seen he Jojo Rabbit? Amazing. Yes, it's amazing. Yeah. It's so good. And so, Have you seen uh, so Boy? Confused. Haven't seen Boy. No. I've seen The Hunt for the Wilder People. That's great too. But yeah. Boy is like amazing. And not only just because it has like a million E.T. references throughout, but it's also <laughs> just a very, really good movie. Yeah, he's awesome. So I don't know what happened. Thor, Love and Thunder. I'm just like, is this another case where um, Marvel gave the reins to an indie filmmaker and it just didn't work? But Taika Waititi cannot use that excuse because Ragnarok worked so well. Overall. This is one of those where I can't tell if he was not given enough freedom or given too much freedom. Yeah, and I, I wonder if that's what it is, where he's like, "Oh, jokes." And I'm like, "No, not not jokes." I've heard from a, a podcast that I would, would generally trust. They're like, apparently they they arbitrarily wanted the movie to be under two hours, and like so, like some of that stuff came from Disney. Um, why now <laughs> yeah who knows? Like, like, but if you look multiverse of madness and love and thunder are both under two hours uh Keep and they're the, the the first first marvel movies in many years that have been under two hours so it's you know the there uh, have there were apparently a lot of fingers in the pie more so than some would have liked but you know, also but a like filmmaker should ahead. be able to do a good movie in two hours. I I mean I don't I don't disagree with that, so yeah. that's fair. Um, I want ninety minute Marvel movies, and you can have a nice little three hour one as a treat when it's like <laughs> Avengers or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to see them get a really good director, balance out that 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 dichotomy between director and producer in the studio do it in 90 minutes and then see how it does because i would almost guarantee that it would do really 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 well yeah i'd love to see them do like more exciting things i feel like dc has kind of gotten to do that a little bit but then now they're all obsessed with getting back into that shared universe thing but it's like mm -hmm. give, I'd, I'd love like a joker or a Whatever, just give me like a cool take on a character, and uh, Marvel doesn't. I mean, it seems like they're trying to get into that a little more. Like it was cool to see the like werewolf by night thing. That was cool. I'd love to see them do more. More. I'm weird so stuff. excited for the holiday special. Yeah, me that'll too. Be fun. <laughs> and I, if they don't make one Star Wars joke, I'm going to be extremely disappointed. <laughs> Yeah, this, this, that'll that'll be fun. Let's kidnap yeah, Kevin Bacon for Christmas. Have fun. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I'm like I said before, I was I'm fine with that. Get an interesting filmmaker. Let them do something different. Bring in a new style of film that we have, and put superheroes in it. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, oh my god, they need to do go a neo noir with like <laughs> somebody new. That's just like morally isn't gray. A, isn't there like a gray Hulk like that who has like a little. Uh, like a fedora and stuff in a pinstripe suit. Yeah, I, he's not a detective, but yeah, that's a a version of Bruce Banner that has appeared in the comics. Yep. I don't know if yeah. that's the answer, but it's <laughs> an answer, so I'll take it. 
Yeah, um, I mean, I'm excited to see what they do next. This had me thinking, like, they they need to make more Black Panther and Spider-Man movies. Everybody else can do, like, every now and then, and then just rush these ones in. Like, give me more Black Panther and Spider-Man, and I'll... Uh, uh, apparently Tom like Holland's back. I haven't ones. I haven't seen it reported by any official medium, but you know, there's big enough enough people are reporting on the rumor that it might be real. Who knows? Um, I'm really looking forward to Quantumania, though. Me really too. I to I want to see what they do with Kang. Kang could yes. be very cool or very lame, but Jonathan Majors was amazing in Loki, and I hope that it it's, it could be something very special. He's amazing looks, in general. Like, yeah. uh, did you see the harder they fall? Uh, I didn't see that. I've seen the last Black Man in San Francisco, and I've seen Lovecraft Country, and they're they're both fantastic. You need to see the harder they fall. He carries that whole movie, and that cast is amazing, right? They've got um, Idris Elba. They have who do they have? I think they have Regina King, don't they? Probably. I, think so. I know Idris um, Elba's in it. He. Jonathan Majors carries that whole movie. It's amazing. He's carrying um, the uh, the trailers for every movie I go see now. It's right, like half of the yeah. movie trailers. He's in them. Yeah, and um, I I just I am so so excited to see him apparently play a different Kang in this movie. Yeah, that'll that'll be cool. Yeah, I. Uh, I just can't wait. And Paul Rudd just plays. I think he gets the essence of the MCU so well. That mix between playfulness and him um, and he and Evangeline Lily are just so damn likable. You just want to hang out with them. Unfortunately, yeah. this also looks like one of the uglier MCU movies in a while. Like I've seen a lot what? of people saying, it looks yeah. like it looks like Spy Kids 3D and. <laughs> Oh, no. Ever, ever since I've seen, like, the shot comparisons between, like, Spy Kids 3D and, like, Shark Boy and Lava Girl and Quantumania, I'm like, I don't think y'all are beating these allegations. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's <laughs> very yeah. Spy Kids-y. I mean. It's a lot of green screen going on. A lot of yeah. gobbledygook. But it'll probably be fun. I'm excited for it. I'm excited for Jonathan Majors. Me to be too. on screen with Paul Rudd. I feel like they <laughs> will play off of each other in so many different dynamics that it's just going to be really enticing to watch. Um, Bad time it, to have a uh, Bill Murray in your movie, though. <laughs> That's a little. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, uh, how? Let, what have you? Uh, hmm, I'm going to stumble before I say anything. <laughs> now that we we've we've been kind of rambling for a few minutes, anything uh, any recommendations for for the the listeners? Anything anything you've seen recently? I usually do what have we what have we been watching at the top, but I forgot, so we're uh, we're dropping it in here. Uh, or anything you're looking forward to coming up? I know, I'm Katie, you in. saw uh, Banshees of Any Sharon. Um, mm -hmm. It's a Mike or a, a Martin McDonald movie, and those are always interesting. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. It's closer to In Bruges than say Three Billboards, um, yeah. but I thought I thought it was really great. Um, and Three Billboards wrecked me, so I wasn't sure like how this was uh, or what, like what to expect here. But uh, I really liked it. What do you think? Ironically, I have not laughed so much at a movie, you know, in like a long time. It's just like it's like, so morbid and demented and hilarious, know, but also like weirdly it. heartwarming. Like, well, what about I you, Wesley? Loved it. Uh, what have I been watching lately? We just got back from literally 
walked in from seeing the menu and sat down and oh, yeah, I'm going tomorrow. Was it good? good? I can't decide it, if I want to see it. It's good. I don't know that I'm going to be thinking about it much, but it was fun. Ralph Fiennes is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Ralph Fiennes was was really awesome. But, He's uh, always awesome. Yeah, so it was definitely fun. It was like cool, but it wasn't. I mean, it was about what I would have expected. If it had been on like streaming, I would have been like, "Oh my gosh, wow! I can't believe they put this on streaming. It's good." But like, it it was good. <laughs> Speaking of streaming and not streaming, uh, we're going to see Glass Onion later this week, and I am very excited about it. Oh, nice! Um, I need I totally to catch a screening of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, well, it's only at a few. The it's the week of Thanksgiving, and it's only at a few theaters. Um, but if you can find a screening, I think we're going Friday. Um, nice. And then I would be down to review that on the show next weekend. I'm doing Star Wars Andor. Um, is but it coming out on Netflix? It's yeah, it comes out on Netflix like the week after Christmas. But they're doing um, they're doing oh, wow, like a week a of uh, a week of screenings. Uh, it's in a handful of theaters in most cities um, for like the week of Thanksgiving. So. Okay. There's a lot of stuff coming out. We're about to be in the thick of it, but yeah. I'm most excited for. Uh, I'm so hyped for the Fablemans. I'm like me too. And I'm Avatar. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. The Fablemans and Avatar and the uh, David Harbor Santa Claus movie. Oh <laughs> yes. <laughs> Those are my oh, most nice. anticipated. Uh, Katie, do you care about Avatar? Right How you're? I mean, you're not that much younger than me. How old were you when Avatar? When the first Avatar came out? Saw the first Avatar. I saw that in theaters like two or three times. I loved it. No, yeah, I, don't I, know I, if I it's saw it twice. Grown yeah. on me so much as maybe it has for other people. Like I like it. I'll watch it if it comes on TV very happily, and it engages me every time. I just I have my reservations about James Cameron, so I have to actively well, work to separate the two. But I'm really looking fair. forward to bringing the original cast back in because I love them so much and. I'm really interested in the technology and how it's going to look or feel different from the nice. first one that was so revolutionary. But I I'm really looking forward to it. But I really have to rave for two seconds about Emily Blunt's new Please, show. I'm, I'm going to give you the Prime single video. Here Thank go. you. Thank you. <laughs> because Emily Blunt is, I think, she's like the one right below Meryl Streep. Like you've got Meryl Streep you know, in the 70s, like really owning her own. And then in this generation, I hate saying generation of actors, but in this generation of actors, then you've got Emily Blunt. That is how much I love her. And she's got a new show on Amazon Prime Video called The English, and it's a Western. And I feel like those two are such oxymorons, but it works so well. And uh, Cheske Spencer is her co-star in it and he does such an amazing job sharing the screen with her and being her scene partner the story is gripping and the cinematography is so good and you know they fooled me thinking it was out west really when most of it was shot in spain so i just like emily blunt needs an emmy for this show I really hope that Chasky Spencer gets nominated as well because I I haven't been so like I need to binge watch this in a long time, but I bitch um bitched <laughs> I binged all three episodes or all six episodes, three one night and then three the next morning because it was just so good. I mean, it's just pure like um filmmaking, really. It was really, really good. 
Nice. Uh, and that's on the English on Amazon Prime? Yes. Okay, yeah. so I will, I'll certainly look to check that out. I need, to, I need a new show to watch while I'm on the treadmill. Um, on yeah. that note, I think it's a, as good a place as any to wrap it up. So, um, yeah, keep an eye out for upcoming episodes. Next week, uh, we're recording um, Star Wars and or with the regular folks who've been who watch the show. I know the regular Star Wars crew will be Adam, Chase and uh, Peter will all be back. Uh, and then after that, I'm not sure you guys. Uh, Katie, you want to do Glass Onion? Okay. Yes. Uh, so yeah, try to catch a screening of Glass Onion, uh, and then uh, I definitely want to do Violent Nights. I don't know that I'm going to get be able to get Vicky to go with me, but we'll we'll see how that one goes. Um, but uh, yeah, as always, thanks for watching, everybody. If you want to hear more, don't forget to like and subscribe. My name's Brandon. I'm Engine Twenty Five on all the things. Sometimes with an underscore. Uh, you can find us on YouTube podcast services by searching Engine 25 Reviews, no space in Engine 25. Uh, we'll be back soon with a new review. And until then, go watch a movie. Thanks, guys.